Alright, so far this year, I've been ordering my steps, preparing for this moment right now, when the grind, the focus, the hustle was ready to get started and commence, right? So, you know, one of the first things I focused on was my health. I had to figure out how every day I could get the eating and the physical activity together and end the day. It had to happen. I'm grateful for this six-week challenge because it's given me the ability to do that. Right? Good. We got that squared away. I also needed to make sure that I understood the regimen and was proactive in creating a regimen for me and my family so I can make sure that my presence as a father and as a husband was regularly felt and understood and my intentions were good, right? And I and I feel like I got a good group as far as that's concerned. So family and health. And the wealth picture, I've been pulling different pieces together, right? And this this podcast is a part of that. It's a very big part of that. Um, because I wanna I wanted to begin documenting where I'm going and what I'm what I'm looking to achieve from a wealth standpoint, but also getting across the fact to people who are listening that you can do this from where you are and who you are. You don't have to be this magnificent person. You ain't gotta be a Jay-Z type, you know, with a big personality. You you don't have to be none of that. You could just be you and get out of this world exactly what you want to get out of it. But it takes a level of focus, a level of drive, a level of attention to detail, and a, and a huge level of intention to uh, complete what you want to complete. All right? So here I am. All these pieces aligned, intentionally aligned together in a way that makes sense for me to drive forward. All to get to this moment where the hustle begins. Over the last like two, three years, some of the things I've been working on are now coming to fruition and in a, in a way where the window of opportunity is here. The great thing about it, overnight success is not overnight success. It's a moment when uh, being prepared comes with an, a, a window of opportunity being open. If you, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready, right? I'm ready. And that opportunity has come to, to life. And I'm, it's here. And it's go time. And so I just, I just wanted to say all this to say, like, stop playing games, man. Stop playing games. Because you keep playing and you're not going to get what you want to get out of this life. And you're going to be complaining, Complaining from here on out. And I don't want that to be your situation. I don't want that to be your life. So here I am, man. It's, it's go time. It's, it's time to make this thing come to life the way it needs to. If you're listening and you're a friend of mine and you know what I'm up to, I'm probably going to hit your inbox very soon to let you know what's good. Because I'm circling the wagons, man. I'm, I'm getting together with folks that I really want to build something unique and great with. People, I know so many people's story and the things that they're dealing with in their lives and with their family. Uh, uh, the need and the want to level up in their life is there, but they just don't have the the uh, uh, the pieces in place 
to get to where they want to go. And I'm here to present that piece, to, pre- to, to help put the rungs back in the ladder towards the success that you see for your life so that you can get what you want to get out of it and give to the future generations of your family that you want to give. Yeah, man, like, I'm taking the kitty gloves off. Like, you know, it's been cool. It sounded, it sounds so awesome, but, like, you know, there's an ugliness to this grind as well. And I don't mean, like, you know, being stinky to people or, or uh, being nasty to people. I'm talking about, you know, that face you make when you when you in your bag, you know? Like, when you when you doing a, a, a two-and-a-half-mile run, like, that run face ain't pretty. And that's that run face. Like, that's where I'm at right now. That ugliness. You know? So, yeah, I'm excited to share this with you, man. Because this is where the legend really takes place. Peace. Business is moving. <laughs> what did Shay say, man? Hey, man. You gonna disrespect the wire like that? You gonna up there? <laughs> Somebody yell, cut them chicks off. <laughs> have people going on you on your shoes they know it's you there's only one person who got shoes the only person that got shoes that big yo bro i don't know if you know somebody put those shots on top of you want to get them down for you i'll get them back did somebody steal your shoes bro we get them back for you You know, like that's the foot I would stop on before jumping up right here to bang out. Hold up, though. He was following his toenails. Hold up, though. I got a question. I got a question. I got a question. I got a question. Were they the Foot Locker Shacks or the Payless Shacks? That makes the joke so much funnier. Yeah, we got the 15 shacks in the back. <laughs> oh, we got a lot of those. 
got a, I got you the red ones and the blue ones. Why do the regular shots look at me like that? Now wait, depending on what hood you are, you ain't gonna get back no. You got to wear blade, you ain't gonna get back shots. You got ready to go through it, don't even ask me. Boy, if you don't get out here with them shots. Hey, where you from? No, no. That's right. They, it was two edges, two sides of the same, same sort. Mark, Mark, no, Malcolm absolutely influenced policy because you don't know me the why. Because he was willing to engage in, no. from from inside strategy still. No, he's no. talking about Malcolm. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. Malcolm, Malcolm influenced policy because it was a sword. Like, if it had not been for Malcolm, right? Because people who were saying what Martin Luther King was saying have been saying that for decades. Right, but it didn't start looking nice and making sense until there was an alternative. Like, if you don't listen to these guys, Malcolm and his crew are the alternative. So, which one do you want? Exactly. That's okay. what it was. All right, right? You know, so. But you see what I'm saying in terms of him being inside I mean, at the table. He wasn't at the table. Yeah, but it was the threat of the, the, threat of the social movement, the threat of the people rising up right. that made the changes that really the Yes, and, all, and I'm telling you right now, like there is there is no anxiety like white anxiety in black resistance, right? Like that's that the biggest fear out of all fear. That is that is the biggest fear, right? Because like in, inside, like the sort of heart and soul of white folks is this fear, this anxiety that you know people of color, right? You know, black and indigenous folks in particular are going to want to seek vengeance for the shit that was done to them. 
right? You know, so that anxiety exists, right? And that anxiety is what, you know, sort of caused at least what some of the, um, at least what some of the, like, you know, some carceral study scholars or people who study like the growth of prisons, you know, that's what caused a lot of the growth of prisons and a lot of the locking up of what people call political prisoners, right? So you have this thing now where, you know, they're starting to, they're, they're starting to criminalize black movements, particularly like, you know, black movements that, that are not bending with the status quo. Because we forget Martin had an arrest record as long as his hallway, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. like, so, you know, like, they're starting to criminalize these movements, right? Because, like, they don't want black resistance, you know? So, it doesn't matter who was at the forefront, right? Like, you know, if they were peaceful, if they were militant, if they were women, if they're men, if they're queer, if they're straight, no matter who it is, right, that movement is going to be criminalized under whiteness because under whiteness it is against the law to go against the status quo, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, so, um, so, so, if, are, you, so are you diabolically opposed to uh, uh, getting, uh, taking advantage of the system? No, we, we, we the system and then so, so one thing I've learned, and this is a part of like, you know, just me being like in different spaces for across social movements and also studying it for the last seven years, is that like, you know, you can't have one strategy. <laughs> like, you know, um, of course, like there's people like me who want to burn everything down. Like, but this is also, I don't think that's. We've talked this before, right? <laughs> so, that can so, take the conversation totally different. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, but, 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 like, but you, you can't just have that, right? And, you know, because truthfully, what pushes the needle, right? Because change doesn't happen. At least change for, you know, equity, justice, and progress. That change doesn't happen overnight. Change for the status quo happens overnight. We saw that for Trump. The reason right, I said, but, you know, you see people, you know, Pacific Islanders, Islanders, Asians, they got the system taking I mean, it's not like they got into the system. Basically, they're taking advantage. Maybe no, no. Talk about I mean, well, the time out, time out, time out, time out. I'm going to play. I'm going to play. Right. So, this assumes, right, that first off, the Asian Pacific Islanders and uh, other and other Asian folks are all racialized the same. Right. You know. So there's this process um, that some scholars call differential racialization. Right. And with this process, different bodies and different groups are racialized differently. So you know the ways in which somebody who might be fair skinned and Korean and Chinese white experience and went to be able to do those things. And then in the times that we did, it was destroyed. And going back to that point, like even when you're talking about Asians on the home, uh, and this is something that I was talking to Brooke about it. Back in like the early fifties, um, they actually had this import export issue where they created um, restrictions and permissions for
those aren't the same people who own the means of production, right? So, you know, that, that's like, not always true. I mean, it's, it's not. I mean, it's, 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 it's not always true, but it's still it's, it's still a piece of decay that like the folks who own the means of production, right, are the, like they're typically not the ones you see, right? You know, so. It's but, but, that doesn't, but that doesn't. That doesn't negate the fact of the point that he's making. No, it, is that it, it, it other other that cultures of, of of people, particularly immigrant communities. Yeah. Have have had an advantage of taking on the rules of the system and using it to their advantage. And the reason yeah, I'm saying right, that we didn't get let go just by chance. We didn't get Rosewood by chance. We got it. We hacked the system in our own way. We took advantage of the system in our own way. We can do that again. We can do it again, but who's willing to do that when you know they hear most times killed? I mean, but also too, and, and, and this is one of the, and this is one of the things that a lot of people talk about with the failure of integration. Is that with the phase of integration, right? You know where you had to meet. Where, for example, you might be living in, you know, uh, a poor black community, but you know, in that poor black community, you still have class barriers, you know. So, like, you would have a black doctor, you know, living next door to somebody who might be broke, or living at least a couple doors down, or on the same block, right? You know. So, like, once that was, like, integration didn't necessarily destroy that. But it, it deeply sort of hampered, you know, it deeply sort of hampered, right, like, you know, the, I'm not going to say the sense of community, but it, it deeply sort of hampered, right, like, you know, people's proximity. So what poverty scholars call, they call, they call like, black people who are poor, they call it social isolation, right, you know, where a particular person, right, you know, their, their only networks are only other poor people, right, you know, so, like, of course it becomes harder to pull money together and harder for especially black middle class folks to see what's going on with black poor people if you don't physically live in the neighborhood, you know? So, and, and again, it, it, it helps to create like this, I would say cycle of poverty, but it helps to create conditions. Yeah, but the, I, I think I think where he's trying to take the conversation is, 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 about, is about the how do we progress from where we are to where we want to go? And I, and I understand creating language to how we got to where we are. That, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I think what we get, we get into this, this, uh, this uh, cyclical conversation of just creating more and more and more language. That's not solving an issue. We're just fucking stuck where we are. Just language we already got. Look, yeah, like, <laughs> you know what I'm, look I'm gonna tell you right now. We're like, doing too much. No, I'm you right now, like, <laughs> we got this revolution over here. No, we got no. this one over here, and everybody no. home. Yeah. You, you, you wanna know? who I think has the answers? Marcus fucking Marcus Garvey has absolutely. Answer. I agree. With uh, he has the answers, like because at the end of the day, you know, power is rooted in land. Was this idea that you know people on the parts of African diaspora had to be connected to land? So for you, right, and for what you're talking about, no, I don't think we can truthfully succeed alone here in America. I think it's going to be us, you know, connecting with other Black folks across the diaspora, right, to begin building wealth, and then also owning the means of production, right? Until we own the means of production, until we can make that motherfucking network, until we can make that shit. Right, you know, then like it's, it's not gonna work. But we can't own the means of production if we don't own the land. Right, so land. To me, that's what to I own the land. You gotta have the population. You don't have the population. You can't sell the poor people to expect to get rich. You can't sell the poor people to expect to get rich. But I also too can't like I can't expect to 
get wealthy if I don't own the things that I created with the natural. I think you're correct me if I'm wrong. You're asking, we live in a capitalistic system. Can we use capitalism in our way to win? Yes. You're saying I'm, 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 I'm about that question. I think that that's is that does that kind of capture? That's the core we're trying to get at. Yeah. You're saying if we did, we got own shit. Yes, we have to own the and, and and I think we the, don't the through line between all of this is something that I fundamentally believe is that um, we have never seen in in our community people, right? Collective uh, collective econo- economics, right? Collective economics, which is touching on what you're talking about. But also use the mechanisms as they is from what you're talking about, right? Because to fundamentally do what you're talking about, we need a totally entire different system. It's not like that's 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 ideal. That'd be awesome. It's not real. It's not. It's not. It's not realistic. You don't have to give a completely different system if you can use a system that's currently existing. That's what I'm talking about. And what I what I call what I what I look that upon is collective economics. This is not something I created. This is something that already exists. But in that in that idea, it is um, I've set up shop and created my situation. You know, you set up shop, created your situation. You created shop. You know, and we all work within our own means to do all the things we need to do, right? right? Um, and I think that's I think that is definitely possible. It's possible to do that as well as protect our spaces, protect the environment of those spaces, and and really thrive and grow in our spaces. It's sort of what they were doing in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's sort of what they were doing in different, uh, you know, throughout uh, Maryland and uh, some of the stuff they were doing in South Carolina and like throughout the, you know, Mississippi, like in all these different places, this type of stuff was happening. The reason why Black Wall Street thrived what they did is because each person had something and we worked together for the, for the contributed to the community all together. And I think it is possible for us to do that. It is, it's a, it wasn't even a system of bartering. It was, it was trade. It was definitely trade and there was money involved. But because the money circulated, circulated in the community and everybody need everything that was there, so that's the other part. We have a whole bunch of shit we don't need. You know what I mean? Like, come on fam, I understand that a barber may want to just start his own situation, but do we really need 15 barbershops and nine square miles? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Do we really need that? Like, do we need 25 beauty salons and nine square miles? I don't know. I don't think we need all that. You know what I mean? I think we're, we're wasting resources at the same time. Right? I use barbershops and beauty salons, and you know, I know we attack those, like, because they're the easiest targets, but there's a whole bunch of examples. How many fucking corner stores do we really need? Do we really need 125, 126 corner stores in, in nine square miles? Well, I would say yes, but do we need the stuff coming out of those corner stores that are unhealthy? You know, do we have corner stores that gave more organic fruits and vegetables and healthier options to healthier options to community members that would fit? That's, that's a whole other conversation. But you can show. Now, now we're talking though, right? And so now, so now, because you diversified the spaces where this, where you can consume these things, you created walkability in your community. Because I just go to the corner store rather than going to this large big box 
big box uh, uh, grocery store and get everything that I need from those places. But what that takes is some cre creative thinking about how we uh, how we divide and conquer. And you know, you, you revitalize the community and you engage in how would they go about to revitalization? Say what now? You just did. I mean, like getting those fun stories off the. I mean, but, but also too, like you know, I think this is a, this is the, the key part in politics, right? Is that oftentimes, you know, like people who look like us, especially poor black folks, aren't seen to be human. I mean, so they're seen to be disposable. We can do what we want, right? So that's why you have shit like the weird. Why people fuck about people? Well, that just says that people who are of like mind need to also sit in seats of power. And that's it. Thank you for coming. Oh. 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 She didn't fly. She just fell out of the sky. She didn't fly. Now she flies. Another audio letter to my daughters, Avery and Carter. Good morning, ladies. I know usually I catch you at night, but I was knocked out last night. It was, uh, I guess, all the traveling finally caught up to me. Anyway, um, I wanted to leave this message to you about success. Listen, man, there is not one person in history who has had success in her life that did not have adversity to overcome and even in overcoming that adversity they had to be consistent and there was some level of hard work that had to come into play so the point I'm making is there is no success without hard work and consistency and some level of your life to get you from one place to the other. I know that there's going to be a lot of things that people are going to bring to your attention or try to bring to your attention, you know, make you think that, oh yeah, this is easy money or this is, uh, you know, uh, a way to get success with a lot without, you know, having to put too much work in. And man, like when you come across those things, you you can guarantee that it's either short-sighted or there's something wrong with whatever they're trying to bring to your attention. 
Because there's no level of success in anything that doesn't come with some level of consistent hard work. Even if it's for a short period of time, like you still have to put work in. Not never gonna be in a situation where you get something for nothing. If you get something for nothing, you know, you need to take a harder look at that. Now, this is also me coming from the standpoint of where I am right now in life. You know, like even in investing. But nah, even in investing, you know, because I was about to say, well, maybe in investing, maybe, you know, you can get something for putting in the time and effort, but you still got to put in the hard work of vetting whatever you're going to invest in. You can't just put your money up and think, oh yeah, I'm going to get my return on that. No, even day traders work hard at what they do. They put in work. Nothing in this world, man, you get something for nothing. Okay, so don't be afraid of a little bit of hard work. Don't be afraid of being consistent in whatever you're doing to be able to, to, to move the needle to the left towards progress. Okay? And that's the message for today, man. Like, hard work and consistency. It's part of the makeup of success. And I want you to be successful. So... This is the reason why I'm always putting you all in positions to work for things. So that you understand that feeling and you know what it looks like, you know what it feels like, you know what it tastes like. So that when you encounter it in other aspects of your life when I'm not around, you know exactly what to do to get the outcomes you want. Right? Daddy loves you girls very much. And I hope you have a fantastic day today. Please share the message with your friends. Because the more people you have around you that have the worldview or the lens or see the world through the lens that you do, makes it a little bit easier for you to do the work that is necessary for you to get to the levels you want to get to. You are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Two of those people right now for your life is me and your mom. So uh, that average has already gone up, trending in the right direction. But you want to make sure your friends have that same type of trending as well. And I'm going to just leave that there. <laughs> I love you very much. And I will see you soon. Be well, my loves. Peace.